Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is my intention to play for the Jets. There's a lot of reasons why the Jets are attractive. A team like the Jets, who you know, have always been the Jets, that's not the same old Jets. This is a good football team. When you get older, it's fun to prove it each year that you can still do it. Rogers steps and fires. And they're beauty. It's just a matter of getting that done at this point. It's Monday. It's a new week. You know what that means, Dano? One week closer to football, baby. Oh, Let's my go. Goodness. Got that guard right there. Welcome to NFL Live. I'm Field Yates. He's Dan Orlovsky. You see right there, Mina Kimes and Adam Schefter with plenty of analysis and insight throughout the show. But we start, as we have often recently, in New York. As you may have heard, Aaron Rodgers is not only a New York Jet, but also making his presence felt in New York by taking part in the team's off-season workout program. He's already earned praise from many, including his head coach, Robert Sock. I've never been around a quarterback quite like him personally, and uh, uh, all his experience, his communication, um, every play, just talking to the receivers, talking to the backs, his demeanor in the meetings, all of that stuff. Actually, is another coach out there is pretty impressive. You just see a fire in the guy's eye when you're sitting and talking to him. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to do everything. He's he's coming with a, um, he's coming to win, and that's uh, and you can just feel it in his his voice. You can see it in his eyes and, and the way he's going about his business. Dan, what do you think is the biggest key to this marriage working between Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Uh, two things. The health of their – mainly their tackles on the offensive line. And not mm-hmm. only the health, but also a plan B if the health doesn't work out. So, Mekhi Becton at left tackle, contract year. Is he healthy enough? And if not, what is the best next option? And then Max Mitchell, their right tackle, barely played football last year. So, that's the it's biggest question mark when it comes. It's not ability. It's health. And I think the second thing is this, babyface, how quickly Garrett Wilson becomes Devontae. You know, there were so many times during the past couple of years with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in Green Bay where I would sit there and watch the tape and go, Aaron should never throw that football unless it's to somebody like Devontae Adams. Mm. And if, if Garrett Wilson gets that nonverbal feel, connection, body language kind of um, connection with Aaron Rodgers, how quickly that happens, those are the two big question marks that I have for this offense. Yeah, I think Dan hit the nail on the head with the number one question being pass protection, specifically who's going to play offensive tackle for this team and start. My my second question, though, would be what is this offense actually going to look like? You know, obviously there's comfort and familiarity between Nathaniel Hackett, their offensive coordinator, and Rodgers from his time in Green Bay, but I also wouldn't assume that the offense is going to look like the Packers did during his MVP seasons. Yeah. Part because the personnel is very different from Green Bay. But also, you know, at the end of Rodgers' tenure in Green Bay, he was dissatisfied with certain aspects of Matt LaFleur's offense. He voiced that, by the way. He said he didn't like all the pre-snap motion. He wasn't under center uh, using play action as much. So I think for Hackett, while you have this huge edge, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the pre-snap abilities, the accuracy, he is like 
Coach Sala said, having another coach on the field, you also have to ask, how am I going to create deception and mismatches if Rodgers doesn't want to do the same stuff we did in Green Bay? And it'll be also interesting, MK, to look mm -hmm. at how many RPOs are used by Hackett. They used a ton of the run-pass yes. option in Green Bay, and they did not do it a lot in Denver last year. So how much do they do it in New York? And then also, who's Great on the point. field? They got five wide receivers that can all play, and they got two tight ends that are both good players. There's seven pass catchers, so are they going to be a little bit more of a 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field or 12 personnel with two wide receivers on the field. I think that's another thing they've got to figure out in New York. Well, you tell me, this should not be hard to figure out, right? Like Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett worked together before in Green Bay and know the way that each other think. They're very close friends. Sure. We have a system here where essentially the Jets have been and sound like they're going to continue to be, and I mean this in a respectful, intelligent way, deferential to Aaron Rodgers and the innate intelligence that he has on the football th field and the things he knows in advance. So they're going to defer to him. Sure. It almost sounds like he's going to run the offense, and they're going to make sure to run it, I would think, in the way that he wants that he's comfortable doing. But, Dan, the two things that you brought up, the offensive line, the wide receivers. Number one, the offensive line. This has been an area the Jets have been looking to address and upgrade ever since the time that they were in the running for Trevor Lawrence. I remember hearing from them, we're going to make it a priority to protect okay. whichever quarterback we pick at number one. And the questions still are there. And Garrett Wilson being compared to Devontae Adams after one season. Garrett Wilson was unbelievable. And I guess he could be like Devontae Adams. Yeah. But to think that those two could have that chemistry that quickly after it took years and years for Rodgers and Adams to establish that. Listen, it'd be great to see. I just think that that's asking a lot as great as Garrett Wilson is. Yeah, I guess the rock and a hard place moment for the Jets is they don't have a lot of time to waste, right? Aaron Rodgers is 39. He is no spring chicken. Uh, Shefty, one point of clarification. While they will be deferring to Aaron Rodgers, not as far as a wish list goes because there is no wish list for Aaron Rodgers. That is silly, <laughs> except for the fact that they've signed basically everybody on his <laughs> Wish list presented by Dana Rossini. <laughs> All right, Chef, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. What can you tell us about the latest on star defensive tackle Quinn Williams? Because for all the good things the Jets have done this offseason, Quinn Williams remains unpaid. Well, Field, again, they do not appear at this time to be close to a deal getting done. But this is not going to be a hard deal to do. We've already seen the market well established. We saw Washington pay Duran Payne. We saw Tennessee pay Jeffrey Simmons. We saw the Giants last week pay Dexter Lawrence. How hard can this be? I think all of us can get together and have the deal done by the end of this segment. It shouldn't be that hard for the Jets and Quinn and Williams to do that deal when he's played at the level he has and they want to pay him. Should not be hard to get this done sometime, I would think, before camp begins. Yeah. 22 and a half, $23 million per year. That sounds about right to me. Let's go from the Jets, Aaron Rodgers' new so team, to his old team. Must be nice, right? Uh, to his old team, as the Green Bay Packers' Jordan Love era is now officially underway. Well, Love has made just one start in three seasons with the Packers. He, too, is making a positive impact this offseason. That, according to his head coach, Matt LaFleur. And then just watching him last year, I think Jordan's made some huge strides. I really do, and I think a lot of it is a credit to Tom and, and just he knows how to train these guys. He knows how to drill them. He's very, very consistent. Uh, he doesn't sugarcoat anything, and he, he just is matter of fact. I asked Jordan after the season how he felt about him, and he said he, he loved Tom and thought he did a hell of a job helping him, you know, develop over the course of the year and 
for me, it was a no-brainer. It's just whether or not Tom wanted to come back. Jordan Love made that one aforementioned start back in 2021. It was against the Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers was out due to COVID-19. Love did struggle in that game as the Packers were held to seven total points. His most meaningful snaps last season came against the Eagles in Week 12 when he replaced an in injured Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter. Green Bay wasn't able to pull off the comeback, but Love did impress, leading the Packers to a touchdown and a field goal on his two drives. Yeah. Uh, Dan, first time we're going to see him in a consistent role. What do we expect this offense to look like in Green Bay? Uh, and more explosive. You know, uh, the big question for Jordan Love in Green Bay is, can you read in rhythm within this offense? And I think against Philadelphia, when he got a chunk of playing time last year, you saw that. So, first of all, everyone pay attention to Christian Watson. He's going to run what we call a condensed split, closer to the ball, wrap in. Now, you're going to get some of this play action that we love, six step from underneath the center from Jordan Love. Action is going to go that way, offensive line, and you're going to bring the tight end from one side to the other. Now, pay attention to what happens with the defense when they show that action. When you get the back going that way, that displaces that defender. And when you get the tight end going this way, that displaces that defender. This goes back to the middle of the field and where they're trying to attack with Christian Watson. Now, this is the six-step under center play action that I think we'll get a little bit more of. I want everyone at home to pay attention to Jordan Love's feet. We hear five or seven step. This is six. Now count them at home in slow-mo. One, two, three, four, five, six. six. Now two things are paramount in this six-step play action. Number one, when you get to that sixth step and your back foot hits the ground, you got to be ready to rip the ball. I cannot get, it to get you to the top and hit you up, okay? So in the throwing motion. And then can you be reading the right thing at that moment? Now there's that defender. But here's the reality. That defender is in that throwing lane for Christian Watson. So Jordan Love has to anticipate throwing that football behind him without wasting top at the top, time at the top. Ball comes out. There's a touchdown for Christian Watson. So that six-step underneath center play action and the reading within rhythm was really good. Now step two is that drop back game that we see. Now here's the concept for Green Bay. They're going to run a little pivot, a little pivot, and then a wrap in route again to Alan Lazard three-step from the gun. Now, you're going to see two defenders up top for Philadelphia. Two high shell, right? They're going to change the coverage at the snap, so you have to read that within rhythm. That backer is going to push. We're going to call this cover three weak. Deep third zone. This defender is going to push a little bit, and then that guy's going to drop down. Now, the concept is going to be really read like this. We're going to read one there. We're going to read one here, and then number two is going to be in the middle of the field like mm. we built that triangle. Jordan Love has got to make sure that this defender does not push too much towards that number two area because that's going to be the vacancy of the defense. He does a fantastic job with his eyes of holding there, okay? Now I want to go back to his feet for everybody at home. Three step from the gun, read within rhythm, count them at home. One, two, three. Two things matter here in this situation. You got to be ready to throw like you're going to throw a punch. He is. Two, you've got to see the vacancy. That defender is starting to push, even though you held him with your eyes. Ball has to come out right now on time. Now, everyone might sit there and say it's behind now on the dark. There's four defenders. You got to make sure that you protect your guy. Playing in timing and rhythm allows for those two completions. So, we don't know a lot about Jordan Love at the NFL level, but I do think what we saw last year was the really important skill set of being able to read within the rhythm of this offense, I think is going to be a really yeah. big deal for Green Bay. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love those plays you highlighted. I, I rewatched 
his appearance this year around the time of the trade. And what jumped out to me, Dan, was it really did look night and day from his appearance the previous year in terms of throwing with anticipation, his yep. command of the offense, which is what you highlighted there, and then his vision. And while we haven't seen what Jordan Love's been working on, the Packers have. And so mm. to get a small taste of that, you get a better sense of, oh, this is why they felt comfortable moving on. Not saying that, you know, that very small relief appearance is sure. going to be totally indicative of what we see this season. But I, I think it's so important, too, because, you know, with the Packers offense, it, it's kind of like what I was just talking about with Rodgers. What Matt LaFleur wants to do is to have a dominant run game that looks a lot like the pass game. He's yep. so good at sequencing plays, making everything look the same, keeping defenses on their heels. And I felt like at times last year, in part because of um, the inhibitions, they weren't able to do that exactly. And the run game at times suffered because there wasn't that under center play action. I think with Jordan Love, I'm not saying it's, a, it's an upgrade over Rodgers. It's obviously a step down in a lot of ways. But there is the potential to run that offense coupled with a quarterback who himself is capable of keeping the football on zone reads, scrambling out of empty, manipulating defenses in, R in the RPO game in a way that is different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because just like it's a huge challenge for Aaron Rodgers to go to New York and feel rejuvenated and revitalized, I think it's equally as challenging and revitalizing and rejuvenating for the Green Bay Packers to go to a new quarterback in Jordan Love. And they don't do this. They don't make that trade unless they believe firmly in the type of quarterback that he can be. I think that is what enables this whole offseason to unfold in the way that it did. They felt like he's ready. They felt like he's ready to be the quarterback. And so now they're going to cast their lot with him, and let's just hope that his mother Anna has better seats than she did for Jordan Love starting Kansas City in yeah. November of 2021 <laughs> when she sat in the nosebleeds. I'm, th I'm thinking either like first row, <laughs> maybe like a luxury box up there at Lambeau Field. That happens when you are, of course, quarterback one. We are just getting started here on NFL Live. You may have heard the Ravens have surrounded Lamar Jackson with wide receivers that are hungry to make an impact, and Mina will tell us what she expects from that group this season. Plus, Expectations are mounting for Bears quarterback Justin Fields in year three of his pro career. And with some necessary pieces added, hear why Dan thinks Fields could be in for a big season. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
On Saturday, ESPN reported that the Commanders made attempts in 2022 to learn whether former Colts quarterback Andrew Luck had any interest in returning to the NFL. It's unclear who Washington had contact with about Luck, but it certainly got Colts owner Jim Ursay's attention. He reacted to the report via Twitter, saying, quote, If any NFL team attempted to connect, contact Andrew Luck or any associate of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy. All right, Shefty, let's get you back in here for more on this. What's the latest on the reports and the possible ramifications if the commanders did, in fact, reach out to retired Andrew Luck last offseason? Well, the league could certainly look into it. The tampering policies are very clear in what teams are and aren't allowed to do. They are not the first team that I've heard raise Andrew Luck's name and wonder about the possibility that maybe they could convince him to come out of retirement. The fact of the matter is there has been zero indication, zero, that he's been willing to come out of retirement. And if he were, the Colts hold his rights. And again, even they do not expect and have said they do not intend to have Andrew Luck come out of retirement. It sounds like there's as much chance that Andrew Luck will play in the NFL again as there is that Barry Sanders will come out of retirement and play once again for the Detroit Lions. So for a second there, I was feeling good about that one dynasty fantasy football team I have where I've kept Andrew Luck on my <laughs> roster. Just in case, perhaps it's time to drop. Hey Just in case. Okay, the commanders are now focused on their 2023 quarterback plan instead. The team is firmly behind 2022 fifth-round pick Sam Howell as its QB1. Here's how uh, GM Martin Mayhew described his progress, meaning Howell's progress, quote, I'm happy with exactly where he is. There's a quiet confidence that he has. The guys trust him. They respect him. He works his butt off. He's very smart. He can make every throw that's there. And there is, and the guy's very, very talented. He's going to be a good player, I believe. All right, so Dan, what's the biggest key for his success, meaning Sam Howell's this upcoming season? Eric Bieniemy, really. You know, the offensive coordinator comes yeah. over from Kansas City. And the thing that I love about the marriage is if you had to ask me what I thought EB was great at, it's the RPO, the run pass option. Kansas City has excelled at it for years. Yeah. And I think a thing I love about it the most is that there's layers and or levels to these RPOs. There's okay. actual pass concepts attached to them. What did Sam Howell major in in North Carolina? RPOs that had actual pass concepts attached to them. And I think the marriage of a quarterback that has a ton of reps doing it and great feel and understanding for them and these unique RPOs with a coach that loves to design them and create them and dial them up is ideal. Now the next level is Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, hopefully for their RPO offense, getting a ton of one-on-ones. And those one-on-ones, space being created by some of the condensed splits that we saw with Kansas City. And those yeah. players getting a ton of one-on-one -on -one opportunities with passes that aren't highly difficult, mm. right? The RPO, you get players coming downhill, you get yeah. a wrap in or a slant or a quick little fade with space. I think that's a big deal for their offense. And then Brian Robinson should have great numbers and leverage to run on. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Sam Howell. His uh, tape before the year before he came out in the draft, when he had Diami Brown in the better offensive yeah. line, was really impressive in terms of his athleticism and arm strength. But are we sure he's the starting quarterback is my question. Because mm. they keep praising him, and yeah. obviously they didn't go out and get a quarterback this year, but they also signed Jacoby Brissett to a contract worth, right. I believe, up to $8 million, which would be very high-end backup money. And if they had a true quarterback competition in Washington this summer and Jacoby Brissett played the way he did last season in Cleveland, 
Eighth in QBR, seventh in DVOA, fourth in CPOE, completion percentage over expectation. Those are all stats that account for competition and reflect how well he played. I'm not so sure Sam Howell would win, and that's not a ding on him. It's more just uh, acknowledging the fact that Jacoby Brissett played well last year. And for me, this is a it's a, a important question that Washington has to resolve soon because the offenses for these two players very are very mm. different. Yeah. Everything Sam or Dan just described for Sam Powell, the RPOs, um, you know, the boot you're going to put him on the move a lot. There's going to be a very expansive design quarterback run game. That's not what you call for Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> who's a traditional pocket passer. So. I think Washington has to decide sooner rather than later what approach they want to take this season. Good point. Well, Mina, first and foremost, that deal with Jacoby Brissett was up to $10 million. So it sounds like they're trying to figure oh, out, gosh. well, we could pay him like a starter, Lord. but he might be a backup. We don't know yet. Yeah. But on the other hand, they have stood yeah. firmly behind Sam Howell and have made it known that this is the guy that they plan to kind of take a long look at and even have as their starting quarterback. Now, Let's just say Sam Howell does hit. And, again, we go back to this offseason. Washington never seemed to make any attempts to go after any other quarterbacks in free agency, trade for a guy, pursue any quarterback in the draft. They seem kind of content riding it out with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. But follow me now. If Sam Howell happens to hit, then the Washington Commanders hit the mother load. Because they then have him under a rookie contract for the next two years in a competitive NFC East, that is a huge advantage if, and it's a huge if, yeah. if he turns out to be a good NFL starting quarterback. So in a way, they can roll the dice, take a look, see if he is what they thought he was last preseason when he kind of flashed, kind of popped, kind of looked pretty good. And if he works, then they really have a big advantage the next couple of years. And the good news is if he doesn't, there's like no better fit as far as the quarterback. You don't have to call him the starter because you know he's going to eventually start games. Then Jacoby Brissett, it happens every time. Every team he's been with, New England, Indianapolis, Miami, Cleveland, he just finds a way into the starting lineup for some number of games. So to come here on NFL Live, rumors are beginning to swirl that bring uncertainty to Dalvin Cook's future in Minnesota. Could the Vikings be eyeing a trade? Shefty will join us with the very latest. That's next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This season's NFL schedule release show is happening 
Thursday, hot off the press news for you right there. Our crew is going to take you through each team's schedule and break down the biggest matchups in the annual two-hour special. Who are Aaron Rodgers and the Jets going to be playing in week one? How about the defending Super Bowl champions, Chiefs? We'll have it all for you. NFL Network will also have its own show as well. We'll be on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Cannot wait to see who Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have on their schedule. But, Sheffy, there was some news. What can you tell about some developing offensive line news in Kansas City? Well, Field, if you remember when the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers, they revamped their entire offensive line, essentially four of the five positions. And they've engaged in a similar activity this offseason when they lost Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley in free agency and wound up signing Juwan Taylor on the first day of free agency and then adding Donovan Smith. But Donovan Smith, Andy Reid said today, is going to play left tackle in Kansas City, and they're going to put Juwan Taylor at right tackle as you look at some of the additions and departures of the Chiefs this offseason. But now Donovan Smith will be manning the left side with Taylor on the right side, and that begins to form the foundational pieces of the line that will be in charge of protecting the most important player in all of football, Patrick Mahomes. Mina, you see the shuffling of the deck on offense for the Chiefs on that full screen. Any concern <laughs> at all about the moving pieces? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm done expressing concerns about the Chiefs. As long as 15 is healthy, <laughs> they're generally fine. I'll say this about Donovan Smith. Um, you know, he's a couple of years removed from playing at a, at a decently high level for Tampa last year. Tons of holding penalties, but I think one advantage for him moving to Kansas City, the interior of the Chiefs' offensive line is incredible. So he won't be on an island as much the way he was in Tampa, where there are, of course, so many injuries. But again, they seem to figure it out every year since that one Super Bowl, so I'm really not going to question their decision-making when it comes to roster construction on that line. Agree. One, I like the fact that Taylor's staying at right tackle. I think just pretending going from right tackle to left tackle is easy is false. It's incredibly hard if you talk to offensive linemen. Don't discount out their draft pick, Wanye Morris, who I believe is from Oklahoma, who they took yep. in the third round. Uh, I, the Kansas City Chiefs, in many ways, are somewhat like the Philadelphia Eagles. They identify and they develop offensive linemen pretty darn well. Mm. So to Mina's point, I'm going to trust their staff. I'm going to trust their front office, their head coach, Andy Reid, and Patrick Holmes to make sure whatever five are out there are going to be a pretty big unit for their, for their success. We talk about worrying about the Chiefs only because it's boring to just talk about how great they are all yeah. the time. We've done plenty of that <laughs> over the past few if months. If Patrick gets injured, fingers crossed. No, we, don't, we don't ever want to have that happen. Uh, yes. That's... Uh, for the most part, roster construction is done once the draft is over, but there's still some moves that could take place between now and the sort of training camp, and we get Shefty back involved here. And, Shefty, what are you hearing on the possibility of the Viking exploring a trade of Dalvin Cook? Well, again, he'd have to sign off on the trade, I think, because they'd have to redo the contract, and so he will have some say as to where he'll play next year. But we don't know where that will be, whether it be Minnesota or somewhere else, but the one piece of speculation that just has continued to linger throughout the offseason is that Dalvin Cook's future in Minneapolis is uncertain mm. this season. So we don't know exactly where he's going to be other than those questions linger out there. They continue to be out there and nobody has addressed it to say one way or another, yes, he'll be back yeah. or no, he will not. Yeah. Again, it just continues to float out there and there's a storyline to watch 
as we get closer to the start of training. Shefty, it's a football business story, right? The Vikings are very close up against the salary cap for 2023. They have yet to sign Justin Jefferson to an extension that you know is going to be, gonna be so for dollars. massive money oh, and yeah. increase his cap hit by quite a bit. Zadarius Smith somehow remains <laughs> on that roster still. They've got to find money somewhere, and they gave Alexander Madison some real dough to stick around in Minnesota. Dan, let's talk about this offense, though. Sure. For now, it includes Dalvin Cook. What are the biggest keys to this Vikings offense being successful again this season? Yeah, they're going to have to carry the football team. I, th I think, number one, do what you want, not what you need. And what I mean by that is they've got to get that balance back of being able to run the football when they want to run the football and running mm -hmm. it well. Yeah. Um, because they were down so many games last year, the defense was so bad, they didn't get enough runs as part of their offense. Number two, get back to who you are. Mm. And that's attached to number one, some of that play-action pass offense that allows them to be more explosive in their passing game. They were way too drop-back heavy last year because they just didn't find that, that continuity within both that run and run mm. action. And then three, the interior of the offensive line, I feel for like three years, has been a constant conversation. I think they got pretty darn good tackles. But because of that yeah, lack of getting runs and then building off of that both in their run and run action, the interior of their offensive line was exposed. So it's still a really good offense. But to be able to, like, carry the deficiency of what I think will be their defense again, those three things got to get back to being staples. And you know what, Dan? When it comes to that run game, which was very deficient last year, I actually think regardless of who's carrying the football, if it's not Dalvin Cook, they're going to benefit from the fact – that they took Jordan Addison, who's a wide receiver in the first round, okay. doubling down on offense, Explain. as you said. Because here's the thing. Okay, so my favorite stat for evaluating wide receivers is yards per route run, which basically looks at both efficiency and usage. Mm. Justin Jefferson, fifth overall. Not surprising. Not a single Vikings receiver ranked in the top 100 outside of Justin Jefferson. Wow. TJ Hawkinson was the next most productive receiver. He came in at 51st. So in Addison, now they have an elite separator who in Kevin O'Connell's offense, which is not too dissimilar from Sean McVay's, they can hide so he doesn't have to beat press on the outside. Mm. And I think it's going to create an opportunities not only for Jefferson, who's not going to get bracketed and doubled on just about every down, but there's going to be so many light boxes for yeah. this run game if he performs up to his potential. It was such a massive hole for them going into the draft. That run of wide receivers included Jordan Addison going 23rd overall to Minnesota. I like Let's that. go to Chicago, staying in the division. Quarterback Justin Fields entering a potential breakthrough season in year three beyond what he did last year as the team finally has a more complete group of offensive players around him. Offensive coordinator Luke Getze is excited about the progress that Fields has made, saying, quote, where he was at this time last year to where he is now, I think he's just light years ahead of where he was, end quote. Dan, what are your expectations for Justin Fields this season? I think Justin Fields plays MVP-level football. Wow, now, really? Justin's not going to win MVP because their team will not be good enough, mm. but he is going to be in that conversation. They had the number one pick in the draft this year, Chicago, okay? That tells you how bad this roster was. They traded out. They were in games last year only because of Justin. It, but Ryan Poles, their general manager, we have to give a little bit of a love shout-out to. A year ago, this was the worst situation in the NFL for a quarterback to be in. Now, it's pretty good. This offensive line is much improved. The addition of Nate Davis, um, Darnell Wright they drafted. Tevin Jenkins is going to kick down and play guard. So they've got some Braxton Jones who they draft. That's a good front. Cole Komet. So his starting three receivers this year are DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and Darnell Mooney. Yeah. DJ, 
uh, Darnell Mooney was his one number number one receiver last year. Totally. He's now his number three. So we're watching an offense <laughs> that traditionally, this is the Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense that Luke gets either play call runs. It traditionally props quarterbacks up a little bit. That's mm. just the way it is, okay? So we now have an offense that does that, that has this incredible athlete that is going to even elevate the offense. That doesn't happen a lot in this scheme. Yeah. Sure. And I think his athleticism allows him to expand it a little bit. The last thing I'd say about this situation is this. Justin has to get the ball out of his hands quicker physically, not mentally, yeah, that's physically. The long release, and you can see it yeah. on the internet. It's getting tightened a little bit. If that does happen, MVP level football. That, what you just said right there to me, is the crux of the whole thing. Because they've elevated the skill players around Justin. They brought in guys who are going to get open quickly. Right. He has to throw with anticipation. He's got to get that ball out. And this was a thing that was an issue in college Correct. as well. To me, that's the single most important thing for Fields to make the sort of leap that you're describing. Well, you guys talk about all the great things that could take place on the field for Justin Fields. Off the field thriving as well. As congrats are in order for Justin Fields. He graduated from Ohio State over the weekend. Significant congrats to Fields, who, of course, left Ohio State a year that's early awesome. to declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. Coming up next, the Ravens have added some talented pass catchers around Lamar this offseason. And here why Zay Flowers believes he is the perfect receiver for Baltimore's new scheme. That's next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, this is awesome. ESPN is going to have a two-hour primetime special highlighting the upcoming 2023 schedule release. And how about this? The 2023 Monday Night Football schedule will be released. That's May 11th on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. I'm going to have Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, and Mina Kimes with me. In the but, flesh. Yeah, but before that, Dan, all of us live in the studio. Before that... We're going to announce a Monday Night Football game live on NFL Live during the 4 p.m. Oh. Eastern uh, time. No, excuse me, the Eastern uh, hour, of course, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time as we are every single day. We're going to announce an NFL Live Monday Night Football game for the first time ever. We have the uh, schedule release in full at 8 p.m. Eastern time. NFL Network will also have their edition of the NFL schedule release show at 8 p.m on their network. Can't wait for all that. Going to be a ton of fun. I want to find out every primetime game that Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are playing in. 
I'm imagining it's going to be the maximum of six. But, Sheffy, that's not the only schedule-related news. There are a bunch of changes this offseason for the NFL schedule release. Can you walk us through some of the differences in 2023? Well, yeah, Phil, let's take a look at it because this had been the hope of the NFL to have the schedule come out this Thursday. They met this afternoon. They were targeting Thursday, and they actually were able to finalize it. So here are some of the changes. There'll be a Black Friday game for the first time ever. Games don't belong to networks anymore. In other words, CBS is not the exclusive home of the AFC with Fox being the home of the NFC. All games are free agents. Teams can be on Thursday Night Football twice this season, up to mm. twice before it had been once, and whereas it used to be that all teams were guaranteed to have some type of prime time spot, that is no longer the case. So there are certain teams that may not be featured at all in prime time this year, and this doesn't mention the fact that we also, in the upcoming schedule, get 14 playoff rematches from last year, including rematches of the Super Bowl, both conference championship games, and all the divisional playoff games, 14 playoff rematches in the 2023 season. Did I mention we have an ESPN2 two-hour special at 8 p.m. Eastern time with a full schedule release? And prior to that, during NFL Live, for the first time ever, we are going to announce a Monday night football game. Tune in, tune in, ESPN, 4 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. We all can't wait. The whole crew is going to be here in the flesh. Dan, I'll start with you. What are you looking forward to most during this schedule release? Well, I'm now very excited for Thursday's schedule release. I don't, I don't know if I've ever been a part of one. Um, so a couple things. The Black Friday game, the being the first time ever, like I'm super excited to see what that matchup is. 9-11, this is September 11th, is a Monday night. Yeah. So I would, I'm fascinated to see who the NFL pairs together with that. And then who the defending Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions, who they open up with. That's always an interesting game to kick off the NFL season. But I'd probably say mo most to me is, is who gets to play um, on September 11th. Yeah, uh, going off of Adam's news about the changes, the Black Friday game, I'm excited about that personally. I, I usually totally. have nothing else to do on Friday, so <laughs> I'm glad it's going to be football. And then um, the Thursday games, multiple games potentially, some team is going to be mad. <laughs> so some players are going to yeah, be upset. So I think uh, it'll be, I'll be curious to see which team ends up playing more than once on Thursday because that is uh, not, not the most fun. Well, it might be Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets could get used to hearing their name called on primetime. Last year, the Jets were on primetime one time, and it will not be a surprise, and it would be an upset if they're not on primetime six times this year. But when we talk about the schedule, just like the schedule as Mina documented today, the schedule release has become a huge event yeah. for social media teams across the country. It's also the day that really fans are looking to block hotel rooms, and make airline reservations in advance. It's a huge day. We know the games are going to be played. There's no mystery yeah. there, but everybody's waiting to plan their weekend in Green Bay or their weekend in Seattle or whatever it may be all around the release of the schedule. And once we see the schedule, there's this rush on rooms in respective cities wherever there are games. But let's keep in mind, there's also flex scheduling this year 
for maybe Monday Night Football too. So there could be some changes to that schedule, and all plans will not be locked in stone. Shefty just hit us with weekend in Green Bay. I was thinking like Vegas, Vegas. maybe Miami. Cali. Those seem desirable places to be. No, but Shefty may also like Green Bay. And what else did he say? Did he say uh, Green Bay and Baltimore or something? Seattle. Oh, Seattle. 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 Well, Seattle's a great city. Seattle. Mina's home, of course. Gonna get mad at us as well. Things. All right, and uh, we were thinking Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, we have much more to come here on NFL Live, specifically what's going down with the Las Vegas Raiders, who have had an interesting offseason full of plenty of change. But the question is, how improved can this offense be? The inaugural XFL championship game is Saturday. The Arlington Renegades square off against the D.C. Defenders at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and of course, ESPN+. It's been a busy few weeks for the Ravens, which began when they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year deal that includes $15 million in guaranteed money. The biggest move came just a few hours before the start of the 2023 NFL Draft when Baltimore finally reached an agreement with Lamar Jackson signing him to a five-year, $260 million extension. Lamar got some good news later on that night when the Ravens drafted another wide receiver, Zay Flowers, in the first round out of Boston College. Flowers is excited to get to work with new Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Zay, it's so early, but what are your early impressions of Todd Munkin's offense? Oh, I love it. It's kind of like some of the stuff I ran at BC, I love it. I think it fit my style perfect. I could play anywhere. Getting open, being able to create space, um, deep balls, um, short, intermediate. I feel like I'm a complete receiver. I could do it all. Uh, you name it, I'll be able to do it. Mina, what do you think about the potential impact of Zay Flowers in Baltimore? <laughs> Oh, man, the best way I would describe Zay Flowers' tape on Boston College is that he was often so open downfield, he'd have to slow up for the quarterback yeah. to reach him. Now, he has a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who has a really underrated deep ball. And, Field, to put this position group, the upgrade in perspective, in January, the depth chart at wide receiver was Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Deshaun Jackson. I think they just picked up Andy Isabella up the street. They're going from that group to Odell yeah. Beckham Jr., Sean Bateman, who was their you know, first-round draft pick, and now Zay Flowers, another first-round draft pick. If they're healthy, that's about as dramatic as it gets in the yeah. NFL, and it's very clear where the Ravens' priorities lie this off, yeah. laid this offseason. And this was a team that played in the playoffs last year and gave Cincinnati all it could handle, at least on the defensive side of the ball. For the first time since 2013, a quarterback not named Derek Carr will start for the Raiders in week one. This season, that is expected to be Jimmy Garoppolo. He signed a three-year deal this offseason with the Raiders. The Raiders also traded Darren Waller to the Giants, but added a pair of familiar pass catchers in Jacoby Myers and then drafted former Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer. The Raiders also drafted former defense, uh, Texas Tech defensive end Tyree Wilson with the seventh overall pick, adding him to a pass rush that already includes Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Here's GM Dave Ziegler. Josh is a great leader, and he has a great relationship with this group. There was a couple ruts in the season where we lost three in a row. I don't think we saw anything out there in the media of strife in the locker room or issues here or a team that gave up at the end of the season. That goes directly back to Josh McDaniels. Um, but that whole the whole narrative of there, there's an ego involved or, again, it's his way or the highway and, and things of that nature, they're just, they're just false narratives. That's not how we operate here. That's not how he operates. Mina, what do you expect, or do you expect the Raiders will take a step forward or perhaps backwards this season? 
You know what's so interesting about this Raiders offseason? When you look at the players who left and the players who came in, free agency in the draft, they didn't get more talented. In fact, you could argue that they went backwards in terms of talent level. But I think they built an offense that's better suited for Josh McDaniel's scheme, hmm. starting with the quarterback position. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to push the ball downfield like right. Derek Carr is capable of. But as a point-and-shoot operator of that offense, which, of course, we've actually seen him do in New England, he is undoubtedly, in my mind, a better fit. Darren Waller, much more athletic. He's a downfield threat, one of the better tight ends in the league. However, Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame who they drafted, is that traditional inline tight end who's just going to kill you with option routes that Josh McDaniels wants based on New England. And, of course, they double down on the slot, which is very patriotsy as well, bringing in Jacoby Myers. So to actually answer your question, I wouldn't be surprised if they do take a step forward and they look better even though they don't necessarily have better players. Yeah. With the schedule happening on Thursday, it's going to be fascinating to kind of see, like, who they open up with. What is their – December yeah. look like because it's such a difficult division and it's such a difficult conference. I mean, the, look at some of these opponents. We're talking Ooh. about playoffs, 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 almost and, playoffs. And and basically, we're one of the hottest teams <laughs> in the NFL, right? So that's going to be the big challenge. Tamina's point, I just want to piggyback on it. And I don't say this disrespectfully to Josh. Josh is the star. Josh's game planning yeah. is the star. Mm. The, the play calls are the stars. To her point, maybe not as talented. Devontae's the best receiver in football conversation, right? But that Josh's offense is, yeah. I'm quarterback. I'm going to give you like four or five decisions every play. What I need you to do is don't overthink. Mm. Make the right decision quickly. And then when you do, put the yep. ball exactly where it needs to be for us to get yards after the catch. That's going to be the focal point of this offense. I agree with her. It's much more fitting for Jimmy Garoppolo than it ever was for Derek Carr. Yeah, it seemed like that marriage between Derek Carr and Josh McDaniel took a quick turn last season, which led to where we are right now. It's time for one more thing to close out the show. And Bill Safety Micah Hyde hosted his annual charity softball game this weekend. Quarterback Josh Allen was mashing home runs in the home run derby. One going into the parking lot. Offensive lineman Greg Mance also provided some rain delay entertainment. Wow. By the way, have we, are we uh, sure Josh Allen couldn't hit for the Yankees tonight? We are we positive seen, about that? Have we ever seen Josh Allen and Pete Alonso in the same room at the same time? And uh, Greg Mance right there. I'm, that's entertainment according to some. I'm not sure. Is that, is that good enough for big man balling right there? What do you think? <laughs> We can get him on. I thought Marty's that was Josh Allen at first. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, Josh is going to change this off. He's going to get in shape, Bob. Based on from behind. It should be noted that Josh Allen was the defending home run derby champion at this event. But those he lost the title short, to Spencer Brown. I mean, it is, but still it's short pretty impressive. Fence. NFL Live is back tomorrow. A reminder, Thursday, we're going to announce a Monday Night Football game live on the show.